Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror and media. And tonight, grab your butcher knives and mount your goats as we delve into Halloween and Lords of Salem. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. And uh, we're back after a uh, me and me and Murr were kind of out out of the picture a little bit these last weeks. We had a bit of a, a tragic event. Yeah, there's a lot of things stacked on top of each other. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a whole bunch. But the uh, big one is uh, our, our friend our friend Alec tragically passed away about uh, about two weeks ago or so, and um, he was ba- he actually did contribute a lot to the podcast just by making the theme song for right. it that we use now. Um, and so we'll do a tribute episode next week. Uh, so look out for that and we'll talk a little bit about him and, uh, some work that he's done as well. And, uh, just, you know, give our boy a shout out and a send off. Anyway, back to our movies. How you guys been this week? Oh man, I'm excited. It's Hollow's Eve as we are recording yes, tonight. Yes, we are recording the night before Halloween. Ah, uh, yes. I, I had other movies planned on the schedule, but considering, you know, how our schedule got shifted around a bit, and it's Hollow's Eve, I, I had to do something Halloween-related. So, what's more Halloween than fucking Halloween? Halloween, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Specifically, though, the Rob Zombie yeah. Halloween. Because I feel like yeah. Rob Zombie's like a horror icon. Right. You know? We didn't do the originals because everyone's done it, and they've talked about it multiple times. We don't need a rehashing of the same shit people have talked about numerous times. I, I believe I actually watched the original Halloween because I thought we were doing an episode on it and then it was like no never mind and then i was like well i just watched it all right cool so now i know about the original halloween and i can actually make some comparisons which is great yeah there's a lot of good stuff he uh, rob zombie had a lot of communication with john carpenter and he was actually an executive producer on the second on the sequel for this film so they had some talks and he really wanted him to make it his own yeah, he was just like, you have the rights, you have the uh, ability to make it, so just do what you want with yeah. it. Make your own. Yeah, yeah, he, and then it he, was definitely a point to do that. <laughs> yeah. He essentially like made a remake, though, in the second half. Whew. I would say no. Somewhat. But we'll so, talk so, about Yeah, we'll more. get to that part. <laughs> Justine, how would you like to kick us off this evening? Which movie? Uh, I think we should start with Halloween. Hell yeah. Because everyone yeah. fucking loves Halloween. Yeah, who doesn't? It's It's classic slasher. And then this this homage to a classic slasher as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely. All right. So let's start off with the cast of this movie. We've got some really interesting people. We have Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Sam Loomis. Of best. course, Sherry Moon Zombie as Deborah Myers. She's in pretty much every Rob yeah. Zombie movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rob, Rob Zombie movies are going to have three essential things. Yeah. They're going to have a lot of TNA, Rob Zombie's wife, and a lot of blood. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Not essential. to mention as Rob, well his wife's ass. His, his, his the in ass. Several yeah. moments of yeah. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> it's iconic at this point. He like yeah, lingers is. on a shot of her butt for like 5 minutes. I mean, she ain't Sherry Moon without the moon, you There's know. There's a Reddit forum <laughs> that's just dedicated to Sherry Moon zombie's ass. That's hilarious. I'm Love sure it. that there is. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm sure there is. And now or if not, I'm starting it. <laughs> I'm starting. <laughs> I'm personally <laughs> starting it. All right, and then we got Tyler Maine as the gigantic Michael Myers. Six, yeah. eight, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, six fucking eight, dude. This dude's massive. <laughs> we have uh, Dag Farrick as the young Michael Myers. Fun fact, I actually met him one time. Whoa. Yeah, he's a native to San Diego. Oh, shit. And uh, way, way, way back in the day, one of my good friends dated him for a little bit. <laughs> what a trip. I dated Michael Myers. I mean, and his performance in this is really good. Yeah, really, no, really good. I have stand-up performance for yeah. being 
child actor. I know, it's such an intense character as well. And I think he was, what, like 10 at the time when they filmed this. So props to him for pulling that off. And we have Scout Taylor Compton as Laurie Strode. Brad Dourif as Sheriff Lee Brackett, Daniel Harris as Annie Brackett, and William Forsyth as Ronnie White. Nice. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Fuck Ronnie White. I mean, Ronnie White's character is just to remind you you're in a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that was something I, I always kind of liked about Rob Zombie is he really brings in that white trash element in all of his movies. I mean, I feel like this opening scene of the movie with this family fighting around the breakfast table is such a like staple to like the white trash American family. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he does a good job of always capturing that and uh, definitely like taking it to extremes like all the time. I mean, like, he even fucking, like, pervs on, like, the girl's daughter. She's like, damn, she's got, she doesn't have an ass. She has a dumper. I was like, oh, my God. What the fuck? Yeah, Yeah. it was fucked up. I remember when we first started watching, I was like, damn, I forgot how fucked up this movie is. (laughs) Just from those few lines that you have in the beginning. (laughs) My favorite line from... You want to say that again? I'll fucking skull fuck you so hard in the face. I was like, that's like <laughs> that's like two minutes into the movie. Yeah, it's like oh, so it's this kind of movie. It's All right, bet. Okay, wow. So the, the 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 drunk stepfather is talking about skull fucking kids. I guess uh, that's cool, man. I'll give him this. He had some decent taste because he liked to watch the thing from. <laughs> the thing from another world. Was it him watching it, or was it the kid that was always watching? They're both watching it. Huh. <laughs> Yeah. Good taste doesn't. Yeah, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, fuck this dude. Fuck this guy. All right, so let's get some production notes in here. This movie made quite a bit. The budget was 15 million, but the box office was 80.4 million. And, you know, I, I kind of wasn't expecting them to get so much money from this movie because considering this got a lot of bad ratings, honestly. But you think you have the fan base behind Halloween. You also have Rob Zombie's fan base coming together for this movie. You know they're going to show up at the box office for this. And they did. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, considering ratings, this got a 6.1 on IMDb and a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics hated it. Yeah, <laughs> A lot of it's a very polarizing film for fans too. Not only very niche. It was it was Rob Zombie's film. Yeah, it was definitely a different take on the story because he really got into the backstory of Michael Myers, which I don't think is really talked about much in any of the other movies. Oh yeah, it's not even just psychopath McStabby. Yeah, McStabby stab. Yeah, McStabby stab. That's all. That's all. That's all he does in that those movies. Hi, I'm a kid. I'm gonna stab my sister. All right. So this movie was released August 31st of 2007 in the United States. I remember going to watch this in theaters. Same. I think I was like probably fucking like middle school or something like that. I, I watched this movie in high school with a bunch of my high school friends yeah, for same. Halloween. <laughs> so that was like the whole deal. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. So the whole reason why this movie in particular is like good sentimental piece for me is because when I started watching my, uh, horror movies in middle school, I was flipping through channels and I found this one and then it's, I flipped it to right when Ken Foray's character gets stabbed and I thought he was Mexican. I didn't know that he was like black, but I, I was like, I'm Mexican. I could get stabbed like with by this six eight dude at any time in my life. What and a strange I, thought to have as how a did child. We get here? <laughs> so I was like, Oh shit. So that will forever be like cemented in my mind, but it has a good place in my heart watching it now. It's fucking creepy though. 
I think there was moments where the, the, the horror was used well, but to me, I couldn't escape the feeling that it was, it was amateur at some points because it's like you could tell he was a first-time filmmaker yeah but he had only a re- done like a few films before yeah this. he'd only done a few but he had a really good grip on how to use the music for for oh, yeah. tone which I makes mean, sense it's rob zombie he's we all know him for his music yeah. and now we know him for his films as well also white zombie fucking rips hey <laughs> so considering rob zombie being a music man he also wrote directed produced and served as music supervisor during the filming of this process however he didn't really have as much creative freedom as we might think he did with this movie he was approached by weinstein to do this film in the first place and when it came down to it they had very like minimal time allotted for filming which had they were required to cut a lot of things out constantly did that that to him they scheduled for him to be filming and then they would cut it off really quick and be like you don't have it for that long so he'd only be able to film some of these scenes in one or two takes and then he had to cut out a bunch of it yeah and the studio and fellow producers really definitely like monitored him about what he was allowed to do in the movie and what he wasn't because i feel like despite it being rob zombie it was still very studio-esque hollywood-esque movie rather than rob zombie filth movie uh there were two things that were notable about the production of this movie i think he later put it out in an interview that when weinstein would come in and be like hey you can't do that in your movie you have to cut out all that and he's like well good Literally all of the, these fucking scenes are now going to be useless. And he's like, can you just tell me what you want? And he's like, well, can you do this? He's like, okay, good. Shut up now. <laughs> and then um, if you didn't know, the movie's production was also delayed to uh, do the death of Mustafa Akkad. Yep. He was the producer of all the eight previous movies. Unfortunately, him and his daughter died as, as a result of the terrorist attack of, uh, in Jordan in 2005. They died. They got there. It was a series of hotel bombings that just took their lives. That's gnarly. That's crazy. Rest in peace. I believe the movie is dedicated to him as well. So yeah. Also rest in peace, Sid Haig. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Special appearance. It was cool to see him though on film again. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I love him. I love having him in, in all the films, especially seeing him as Captain Spaulding. <laughs> so how do you guys feel this movie compares to the past Halloweens? Did you like it more? Did you like it less? The old Halloween, like the first one, the John Carpenter Halloween, is very bare bones as far as plot goes, and there's not a lot of meat. And I think that was kind of the point, though. There were just it was just supposed to be dude goes in, kills a bunch of teenagers, mm-hmm. and then and that and then we have the final girl, of course. Ah, yes, yes. the final girl. Yes. <laughs> why does her name escape me, Lori? Or are talking, talking Jamie, about the actor, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis? Curtis. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't, I don't know what the fuck. Anyway, so I don't know how I forget that, but. Um, <laughs> I love Freaky Friday, you know? Uh, oh, anyway. man. <laughs> <laughs> we should actually cover that. She was great in those Activia movie. commercials. In those Activia commercials. Bro, I forgot Shit. about that. Hi, I'm Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah, literally. And you're uh, watching Disney Channel. little thing you know, That's great. I love that. Um, but I, I would say that they delved a lot more into the backstory of Mike Myers. So him as a character was way more interesting, especially because they have that twist where he's like looking for his baby sister. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting to have his backstory added to it because, you know, it, I feel like adding the backstory added a lot of sympathy for his character. You had a lot of understanding about who he was, where he came from, what what elements came together in order to create such a heinous sort of creature you know i feel like at that point he's barely human yeah pretty much yeah he's a void 
Yeah, John Carpenter has commented on that before, too. He even made a point to say that he didn't like too much of the backstory because it demystified who Michael Myers was, which in the first movie, he kind of wanted him to be this sort of like almost mythical kind of like a being. supernatural yeah force. very supernatural and like unstoppable and so humanizing him kind of takes away from that a bit but he did not hate it he thought it was a good film and it was uniquely rob zombies and i have to agree i think it was good and for what he made it and it's not a terrible movie but it's not, it's not the best thing i've ever seen the right. new halloween the one that john carpenter made that's really fucking good and that, that's the thing with the original halloween movies like the, the original something that was just made on a low budget to make get people oh, yeah. in, the, in the seats you know and then he didn't really want to do the sequel and then of course he really didn't want to do any of the other sequels so he stepped away from them yeah and they progressively got worse and worse who so came back and, and um and that's the thing it, it was later like not supposed to be a like a suspense thriller it's more of a hey how can we kill a teenager in the most gory way basically but i think rob zombie in this remake slash rehash or his telling of halloween is very like very his own thing, very much his own style. I like the directing in this. You could just tell it's made from someone who's used to the type of like subject matter, used to gore and guts, used to like metal and strippers. Like it's just, <laughs> yes. you know, it's just so machismo of like Rob Zombie to do. I think he was perfect for this, honestly. Like in his past movies, was it House of a Thousand Corpses? <laughs> Man, was really movie. sort of like iconic because I think that movie really pushed the boundaries of how much gore and how much violence you can show on film. Cause you know, there's been plenty of gore and violence in the past, but never to that extent until he went and did that. And I think having him for this iconic horror movie was honestly a pretty good move, but I think they should have taken the leash off of him. I think they should have let him do his own thing. Of course, it's never how it really comes down when it comes to big studios like this. Yeah, especially because they approached him and like had an idea of what they wanted. They just wanted the name attached. Yeah, they wanted Rob it's a publicity thing, if yeah, anything. Exactly. Yes, yeah, strictly publicity. They wanted to bring in a certain crowd, and it did work. They did make money, yeah. but the critics did not like it. Yeah, for a good reason. You you definitely get that air of suppression throughout the whole movie. Like. But but why? Like, couldn't you do this? Some of it did feel weird as far as like editing goes, like mm. where they were placing things in the story. And I do think they lingered a little too long on the kid's story when he was younger. Yeah. If they had cut it just a little bit short and then went into like the main part of the story, I think it would have been better. It's a little bit too long. Yeah, watching it for the first time, I was a little surprised about how long they spent on the backstory. Because typically if there's a backstory, it's like five, ten minutes max of the film. Yeah. But this was at least like half of the film was put in the backstory. Yeah, it was like 45 to an hour. Mm -hmm. How did you guys feel about the backstory added to this? Uh, I like that a spy kid dies. Ah, fucking Judy. <laughs> Fuck that kid. So fucking mean. Yo, have you ever seen him in World's Greatest Dad? No. He is like the shittiest child oh in God. that movie. And it's like. He deserves to get beaten to and, death. And, well, I mean, I mean, in that movie, he dies to autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. And that's like a dark ass part in that movie, but I won't go into that anymore. That's I great. think that the movies can like compare like very well. And I think that the backstories addition fleshed out the character a lot. So you actually sort of had sympathy for your oh, villain, yeah. which I love when movies do that. It always makes it like more of an, it just makes it more interesting. And then the whole, he's looking for his baby sister and she, he treats her very differently mm -hmm. and whatnot. And um, especially when he's meeting a lot of these other teenage girls, I feel like he might leave them alive because he thinks maybe that's my sister. I'm not sure. Maybe mm. sort of thing. Yeah. That was an interesting thing about his character is I feel like he, he, despite being a psychopath and just brutally murdering people, he still had somewhat of a moral code is that he wouldn't harm children, 
Yeah. And he wouldn't fuck with people who don't fuck with him. If you don't mess with him, he's not going to mess with you. But if you're rude to him, he might stab you with a fork. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fucking nurse who was like, yeah. she's so pretty, can't be related to you. And he was like, oh, really? And then just straight up murders her with a fork. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what? You slighted me? Time to kill you. I think uh, the best Droog in town, uh, Malcolm McDowell, turned Steve Jobs in this movie. Uh, actually did a pretty good job of fucking playing Dr. Loomis. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, Seeing him with long hair was weird, though. Yeah. Having that weird wig on in the beginning <laughs> where he's, like, constantly adjusting his bangs. Like, <laughs> it, sh- it should be noted, like, Donald Pleasance had a very monumental role in all the Halloween films, but yeah. I think Malcolm McDowell actually picked it up oh, and did a great. decent job. He's so underrated. <laughs> yeah, I think he was perfect casting for that role. He's always playing an academic, too. Yeah. We were but talking about that. he has that face. I feel like I've seen him slight in one of my British classes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the slight academia British yeah, accent. Exactly. Like, no, you're from New Jersey. Why do you have a British accent? Come on, Michael. I'll show you some ultraviolence. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Um, but I like the backstory. I like how in-depth it goes. Like, I like... The idea of him just being a bully kid has a dysfunctional family that's just super fucked up. I mean, it's just like, oh, do you think, you know, there's those fucking bullies. Think your mom will suck my dick and let me suck her tits for 25 cents. Right, it's fucked up. And then the principal comes in to break it up and he's like, what are you guys doing? He's like, fuck you. What? It's great. Fuck you. (laughs) Repeats it. That was great. And then the mom comes in and she's pissed. She's like, why the fuck do you keep calling me down here? (laughs) But either way, I think I think it's a good addition, but I think too much of the film was uh, super predictable or it was a cliche. Like yeah. having like a drunk for a father, having a dysfunctional family, killing animals, going to a psych institute, being isolated, I and mean, that turns you into a psychopath. Like I know cliche. it's things that actually happen, yeah. but it was just, it's used too often in film. I right. Think. It's definitely cliche, but I think that was sort of what the whole point is, is to show that psychopaths just don't pop up out of nowhere they're created by certain elements and it's calling attention to that aspect that dysfunctional families Mm. oftentimes some sort of physical or emotional trauma especially when you have alcoholics and drug addicts in the family all this sort of dysfunctionality as well as combined with some genetic factors as well is what creates psychopaths they don't just pop up out of the ground they are a creation of society as the movie being an homage to Halloween, I think that the predictable nature of it is just something that we're trained for since we've right. seen so many slashers. Yeah. You're expecting stuff. I think that a lot of that's intentional. Yeah. I, think it was, I don't think it was meant to totally surprise you, though it had like a slight, slight twist to the plot mm-hmm. a little bit. So that kept my interest anyway, as well as the backstory kept my interest. Too. Right. Over, like, the original Halloween that where I was just kind of like, okay, how are these kids going to die? Usually the argument is made that the, the reason why some films are like this is because they're touchstones for the audience whenever they're watching something to be like, oh, this is where the story is going, and then to uh, change their expectations. So they were expecting him to kind of, like, be unstoppable through the whole movie until he gets to the point where he has, like, some sympathy for his little sister and just gets shot down and even yeah. gets shot by her. yeah. Like so it's face. like, I think that's what he was going for. I think he was doing the cliche stuff and then try to subvert it at the end when he gets killed by his own little yeah. sister. I mean, mm-hmm. doing the, the ending sh- um, shtick where she's like clicking the gun and trying to find the right chamber. Yeah. That was, I really liked that. Yeah, whole, that was good. That whole scene was really good. Very suspenseful. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, if I was in that situation, I would have just dip. Like, all right, I'm out. I would have tried once run. and then left. Yeah. yeah. I just would have kept fucking pulling that trigger until something comes out. Mm. What I think is an underrated scene is like the entire uh, tape videos of him in, against the wall with his masks that like change over time. Yeah. 
they start really they start like very basic you know like a piece of paper and string and all black then he gets paper into pa- mache. paper mache. It looks good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like so proud of him. A plus. A plus, Sonny. <laughs> good job, Mikey. You did great. You did great in there. Let's go show your mom later, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And and like I think the hardest death in the scene for me is Danny Trejo because he Yo. treats him so well. Right. Yeah. So I have to do this, Mikey. Honestly, he should have just let him go. I think if he hadn't pulled out the cuffs and tried to restrain him, he would have probably lived. Because obviously, Mikey let the doctor live, even though the doctor had shot him. He was literally holding on to his leg and just dragging him along. Like, nah, bro, you're the only like person that talked to me those 15 years I was locked up. I'm not going to kill you. Which is really interesting, that little humanizing affect of that situation, that relationship that they had with each other. Right. He wasn't just a, a mindless killer the whole time and like killing anyone he came in contact with. Yeah. He, he actually had some purpose and that's what that backstory brought to it. Also a cool thing to do to bring a backstory to the mask itself as far as yeah. like what he was using and how he got there and why he wanted to use a mask. I, I think this also like goes back to like this, I, I want to say like dichotomy or like you know, of like horror movie fans in general. Like some fans really like an in-depth story. Some of them are just like, no, fuck you. I just want shit to get stabbed and die. And that's what right. I want to watch. Mm-hmm. And which is fine. Both of, these, the 13th. <laughs> both of these are valid. They are both valid yeah. ways to enjoy movies, of course. But there's just like, I'm one of the people who likes to have a little bit of backstory and some reason to give a shit. Yeah, I think that was what was really interesting about this film is it appealed to both audiences. Because I feel like of horror, there's usually two types of people. There's the gore whores. And then there's the people that really like <laughs> yeah, that psychological true. backstory, kind of like, ooh, this is very like thriller-esque element, you know? And you get that. You get the gory kills. You get the fucking just fucked up shit that happens throughout this movie. And then you also get the emotional backstory and you get this fucking like element of, I almost feel bad for this guy. Yeah. You really do get some sympathy for him at some point, but also, you know, a lot of teenagers getting staked to the wall. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a theme for Michael Myers movies, Halloween movies, kids always just getting fucking staked to the wall with a knife. And you're like, how hard do you have to stab someone to keep them stuck on the wall with a knife? I mean, Michael Myers is the Kool-Aid man serial killer. How many <laughs> fucking walls does he walk through? I love this. Oh, yeah. Just bust nobody, through the fucking nobody wall. Nobody uses a door in this movie. They run just run through the door. <laughs> At oh one point, God. she fucking takes a chair, yeah. throws it through the glass to run through the door. From inside the house. <laughs> How did I miss that? Oh, man. Yeah. There's that fucking moment where uh, they she runs back to her house and they called 911. She's like, it's the fucking boogeyman, basically, to these little kids. And they're like, what's going on? Michael Myers literally just, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shit. I thought he was going to, like, fucking try to kid. No, he just fucking bust in. 6'8", fucking dude. Just... <laughs> Muscles and everything. Ooh, ripped. I wonder what kind of workouts he was doing while he was locked up because right. that dude got beefy. Well, here's the thing. He's a wrestler. The actual actor? Yes. Yeah. Ah. And my Wait, fa- which wrestler is he? I don't remember. But <laughs> I know he I know he I know he is a wrestler. Yeah. But the thing is, he he's six eight. The scene where they go to the diner or to the truck stop and he kills Ken Fourier's character. Oh, yeah. That yeah, we got me. <laughs> Favorite kill of the movie. Yeah. Yo, yo the best line, but I'm going to let Murr continue yeah. and then I'll get to the best I'm line. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> so the thing is, this. Great. I'm going to let you finish, but. This scene after Ken Foray basically like fucking intimid- tries to intimidate Michael Myers, no uh, stunt doubles were used. They actually broke that fucking stall with their bare hands. Yikes. 
So like Ken Foray's fucking figure and that six eight fucking monsters figure actually broke the fucking bathroom in that fucking truck stop, and they Hell had to pay yes. for it. That sounds awful. That's to get pretty fucking metal, pummeled man. like that. That's pretty metal. I'm just gonna say. But, but <laughs> what did Ken Foray say to get all these beatings for his jumpsuit? Because <laughs> he takes oh, the fucking jumpsuit. Oh yes, let's go. Let's go. Ken Foray, aka. Joe Grizzly steps into a bathroom stall about to relieve himself. Hey, buddy. Just giving you a heads up. I got a Taco Supreme taken. (laughs) 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 Hey, buddy. Just to give you a heads up. I got a Taco Supreme talking back at me. So I'm going to be a while. So do you mind waiting somewhere else and let me pass this beast in peace? Look, brother. If you're looking for some kind of action, you better take it out on the arches before I'm done dropping this load, or you're going to be one sorry asshole. Okay. Just hold on, Daisy. I've got something for you. He unsheaths and opens the door. Let me introduce myself. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch, and I'm going to cut that goddamn mask right off your face. And then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> and then he dies. He gets beaten to death in yeah. the bathroom. Yes, bravo. Bravo. The best lines in this movie are just from that scene alone. And that was monologues by Mitch. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and they come in playing Tom Sawyer's or Tom Sawyer by fucking Rush. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I love that song. Mean ride. You know, just yeah. Yes. Obvious yes. fans of Rush because they mentioned Rush in uh, Lords of Salem as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, those damn Canadians. So I, so I have this theory that um, that seventy yes. percent of Rush fans are also Star Wars fans. It's true. So I think we can assume that Rob Zombie likes Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would guess he likes. I would Star guess Wars. We, we'll have to ask him. Yeah. Some point. Also, he he has a lot of nice references in his films to like older films, like the trip to the moon references in Lords yeah. of Salem. Is really oh cool. yeah, no, that was cool. Yeah, it was cool to that. see it on the wallpaper. I also love how uh, on the night that he killed his sister, as well as the night twenty or fifteen years later, there's always a teenage girl listening to fucking Blue Oyster Cults. Don't fear the Reaper. Yep, mm. always. Yeah. Always. This movie also dates itself because one of the friends, I forget her name, is the sceniest, weeniest girl I think yes. I've ever seen. Yes. This film is dated. You know it's from fucking 07. Man, I was thinking that. I was like, I remember when I used to be so into that haircut with the fucking choppy bangs and the like slight mullet going on. I fondly but, remember these from my high school days. Ah, yep. yes. It's funny because, you know, I was just in spirit earlier today getting a Halloween costume and I saw a scene wig. Oh. And it was that fucking hairstyle. Of course, a little more color added to it, but it's it's become a fucking costume at this point. It's so iconic. My I culture is not your costume. The devil wears Prada fucking rips. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think this is a good time to transition into the uh, the next movie. What do you guys? Oh think? yeah, we can absolutely transition to that. Oh, do maybe we should do some final thoughts on this uh, one? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, just yeah. Let, let's contain it. Let's contain yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's so some final, thoughts. final thoughts on this movie. I I really like this movie. I honestly liked it a lot more than the original Halloween movies, and I know that might be a little bit of a controversial statement right there, but I'm a sucker for a good backstory. I love getting that little psychological element added into it. I love knowing where this person came from rather than just them being this entity of death and destruction. I thought that element was really interesting, and I just love Rob Zombie movies. 
I love everything that he makes. I mean, how could you not? Like, they're always really well produced. They look good. Like, the, yeah. they, there's very little special effects. A lot of it's practical work as well. So I, I enjoy that. I mean, spe- like, practical effects, I mean, not necessarily, like, CGI. I mean, he doesn't do a lot of CGI is what I mean. Yeah. No, he's, like, a master of practicality. Yeah. And, and so I, I, you have to respect you have to respect the DIY culture, man. It's it's a it's a it's a respectable thing. Yeah, how thing. punk rock of him. Yeah, like exactly. DIY how that really shit. Yeah. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna fucking. I'm just gonna fucking do it. Yeah. Um. I and I have to. I agree with you like 100. I think that the backstory adds a whole lot more to this, like the concept of this movie in general. And then he still makes like him almost like this strange supernatural force in a way too, because yeah. he's just unstoppable. He got shot what like four or five times. Yeah. And that didn't stop him. Honestly. No, he just kept going. And- I mean, he got shot in the face in the ending, but there's a second movie, so I'm assuming he didn't even die from that. Yep. I, I, it's just, I don't know. Rob Zombie, you know what he's about from the House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell. You know, like, that trilogy is, like, cemented in its own piece of horror. So, like, you know what you're getting in for. I think Halloween, the original, is a classic that, can be talked about, can be criticized and all that, but I enjoy it. I think this, though, is something that's entirely his own thing as well as just something that is enjoyable for fans. I'm a fan of the original Halloween, and I love this movie. Also, it has nothing to do with me shitting my pants when I was in middle school after seeing I didn't shit my pants, but I was very scared. I think every time I see the... the don't, don't lie, man. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think, don't, don't lie to these people. <laughs> I think I think every time I see the kid grab the gerbil and then like the next scene of him cleaning a fucking blade filled with blood because he fucking murdered his gerbil. I it just I get very squeamish with this child character. So it helps with the dynamic for the adult character. I also like how dumb all these fucking teenagers are. They're typical and they're cliched. But I, the ghost scene where the guy get puts the fucking glasses on and gets pummeled. And then Michael Myers does it. (laughs) Yeah, I love that, honestly, because we were talking about this as we were watching. There's a lot of things to consider is that he's been locked up since he was a child. So one, like, he doesn't really have that developed sense of, like, being social. So in a way, mentally, he's still a child, even though he's this large creature now. (laughs) But, like, he still has sort of that playful element. And I feel like almost he was kind of trying to make a joke. He was like, hey, I got your beer. You like my glasses? Kind of funny. And then she's just like, fuck you, man. He was like, oh, you're going to be rude? Fine. I guess I'll fucking kill you then. I mean, it also follows the tropes. You have sex, you die. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Every single time he hits it. And then it even, like, is a callback to the beginning because when he kills his sister, she's like, at, like just got done, you know, getting laid and whatnot. Yeah. And so they both die, of course, because that's just that's Halloween. Also, something interesting to consider is he's most likely a virgin. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely, he is. And so I feel like sex is such a strange thing to him. He's like, what is this? And growing up in the family that he was, I feel like there wasn't really a positive image painted around sexuality, considering his father was just sort of like a piece of shit, an absolute I mean, piece his, of shit. It, I mean, his sister wasn't very good to him either. Yeah, and so kind of I, a slut. <laughs> I feel like he associates <laughs> not because slut he's, shaming <laughs> because he's never had like a uh, what do you call it? He hasn't had that experience. And the only thing he associates with his negativity yeah. is bad. Yeah. So therefore, you must die. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you have that fucking like notice in your head? Like, oh, this guy got laid. He's gonna die. And then you see oh, like totally. scream in your head, just like boo. Yeah, uh, boo. 
Oh, you made you... the one crucial mistake. You got your dick wet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, John. Yes. So, what are your final thoughts on the movie before we transition? Um, I think if you already like Rob Zombie, then you're going to like this movie. He made it for his fans. He made it for people who like a very specific genre of horror and aren't expecting like an insanely good movie. It's very entertaining. Like you watch it, it's entertaining. You like the caricatures of the people. And I think it's well done for uh, a sort of rehashing of something that people are not going to like either way. Kind of like when people make Star Wars shit, like there's always been people who hate it and people who really love it. And this was made for his fans who are going to love it. So I think it's well done. I don't think it's a terrible movie and I actually could sit and finish it. Well, I feel like this is a good time to talk about the Lords of Salem. Yes. Lords of Salem. Ha, yes. I I really enjoyed watching this movie, Lords of Salem. So, the Lords of Salem. This movie stars Sherry Moon Zombie as Heidi LaRocque. I was very surprised she was in this movie. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, really, like, you know, when would, uh, you know... Rob Zombie's wife ever be in a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. I don't know. To be honest, the first time I watched this, I was I didn't even realize it was her at first because the way she looked is so different from how she it's usually true. does. Because she is very like I don't want to say bimbo, but she's very bimbo glam oh, in a lot yeah, of the he other makes movies. Her a bimbo in all his movies. Yeah, this sort of like psycho killer bimbo. But in this case she was very dressed down. Yeah. She had that matted hair I, i'm not even gonna call it dreads it was matted hair <laughs> it's true uh just sort of like this sort of just very pl- not, not even like plain she was very boho in her look but still it was different <laughs> from how she was portrayed before still you get a great shot of her ass in the very beginning iconic of course yeah, that's i mean it's not a rob zombie movie without tna <laughs> uh his wife and blood specifically his wife's butt ah, specifically yes. his wife's butt yes and then we have uh, Bruce Davidson as Francis Mathias, Jeff Daniels Phillips as Herman Whitey Salvador, Judy Greeson as Lacey Doyle, Meg Foster as Margaret Morgan, Patricia Quinn as Megan, D. Wallace as Sonny, Ken Foray as Herman Munster Jackson, and Maria Conchita Alonso as Alice Mathias. Nice. Uh, they had a really good cast for this. You have yeah. some pretty iconic names in there. Like, the older uh, ladies are great. In this. Yes, the I three like older They're witches. They're great. I, I hope I'm as sassy and quirky as they <laughs> are when I'm old. <laughs> Just an old coven. Yes, I love them. So some notes on production for this movie. Uh, this movie made its money back, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the budget was at one point five million and the box office was at one point five million. So definitely not as Broke successful even. as Halloween was, but this is also an original concept by Rob Zombie. So not a lot of people knew what to expect for this. Uh some people say this is one of his greatest movies that he's created. I think it was his most recent one that he's done. So he's definitely come into the element of being a filmmaker and director. And I think it really shows in this movie. However, the ratings were not that great. Even worse than the last movie. Uh, I got a 5.1 on IMDb. A little bit better on Rotten Tomatoes. You got a 46%. This movie was released September 10th, 2012 in the US, UK, and Canada. Fun shit. Fun shit. It should be known, though, that there are no digital effects in this movie. They're all practical. All practical. Uh, It is also shot in real-time Salem. Yeah, that was really dope. And the goat's name is Noodles. 
Noodles. <laughs> noodles. Wow. What a cute name for a goat. Yeah, like, come on, noodles. <laughs> Do we know where noodles is? Do we know where noodles is? Yeah, is noodles still <laughs> is among he, the living? Yeah, is he yes. still alive? Can I we... mean, he he might have been in Rob Zombie's most recent movie, Three from Hell. Bring noodles. Oh, back. that's yeah. true. I forgot about that. Movie. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. He likes goats. Maybe. Maybe. Of course he likes. I like goats. goats. It yeah. was always a weird thing to me that goats are associated with Satan. Because goats are just so fucking cute. Like, have you ever just pet a goat? I actually know a little bit about that. Apparently, most of it is attributed to their personalities. Apparently, yeah. they just they just will not listen to anybody. They don't. They can't be trained. They can't be like kept in a small place. Usually, they'll jump over fences. They'll usually hit their handlers. Like, yeah. they're very hard to like maintain in one spot. So they always thought their unruliness was has to do with something evil and in most cases the horns added to it yeah i would feel like goats are akin to cats in that way yeah very got their own personality they're very playful too how did goats ever survive if this was a belief how are they like we need the goat but the goat is filled with satan (laughs) because they're just Uh, so cute they're like but it's still have you seen the witch yeah that's all all i'm thinking like he got fucking gored dude that was great (laughs) i loved it I, I think this movie was definitely more of like a true Rob Zombie film, considering he had full creative ability on this. This was his movie. Yeah. No one was telling him what to do. No one was calling the shots. And I think this was the movie he made right after the Halloween series. So it was definitely a stark contrast. Uh, he even mentioned how much more freedom and like just kind of a sense of relief that he had with this. But of course, there's a little trouble with production. A lot of problems with the actors not remembering lines, some filming time getting cut short due to technical difficulties and all that good stuff. Yeah, like always, the films will run into problems, but because it's it was almost entirely an independent film, he ran into problems that were kind of hard to get over. He also didn't have the large distribution that the other film had, so that's why it wasn't really watched all that much. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people haven't really heard of the movie; they only knew about it because they already liked Rob Zombie, so they wanted to know more about the movies he's making. Yeah, definitely. So, how did you guys like this film overall? What were your first impressions of it? So, <laughs> I I sat down and watched this movie, and I was like, "All right, we're into some witchy shit right now. We got we got witches eating gore. One of them licks a baby. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was very um, weird. And I, I I don't I don't know. I I felt like this was very much like more of a visual trip." Right. It, yeah. it, it, more so than having like some sort of like very very concrete plot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and so I, I enjoyed it, but I honestly, I honestly was kind of like aboard a lot of the time. Though I was waiting for stuff to like happen and for stuff to move forward, and it was it's mm-hmm. a very slow burner, and that kind of kills my enjoyment a little bit. Yeah. But I appreciate all of like the visual aspects of it, and I appreciated all of that. So, definitely, yeah. this movie was super surreal, and I feel like he even called to that surrealness in the first scene where you have uh Heidi waking up and she has the wallpaper of a uh, trip to the moon yes which is a very well-noted surrealist piece yes he wanted the surrealism especially towards the end and I I kind of liked the surreal ending but he did like three false endings he should have just ended it at some point like he should have just ended it when the baby was born and that would have been a great ending because it's like here's the spawn of Satan and then that's the end of the film but he had to go through like the whole police investigation and everything it was, it was a super Lovecraftian Satan baby yeah oh, with like, all the yeah. tentacles yeah tentacles. Shit, like so I appreciate that a yeah, lot that's true uh, I do think the writing was stronger than it was in previous films a lot of like lore that he sort of created and adapted from stories that already existed and then it's a unique idea 
like for him to have like these old witches who are like the ugliest witches they're like hags who are naked and filthy and eating blood and then the scene in the room with the like neon fucking cross is amazing like that's a really well shot scene and that beast pops up behind yeah who's just like heavy breathing behind here and you're like oh shit there's like a fucking demon in this room so it's like it might even be satan himself who's just like watching over her and to do it with no special effects it's a good piece of cinematography Uh, initially i was very interested in this movie um i like the idea of a vinyl record making witches to any woman that hears it in the vicinity yeah it's like an incantation yeah, or... some sort of ritual, hypnotic sort of track. But yeah. what was interesting is I believe this specific type of music is known as tritones, which back in the day was considered Satan's music because what? people believed that tritones could cause people to become horny. <laughs> and, and also the diminished fifth as uh, well. Yeah. The diminished fifth is like the, the note of the devil. All right, you hear that? 2019, 2020 metalcore, no more panic chords. No ah, right. You're going to get people horny. You get me. <laughs> yeah. They get me horny. I want yeah. y'all to fuck in the pit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're all going to strip and do a circle fuck. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all dudes are like, all right. <laughs> all right, let's go. All right, yeah. This is what metal is now. Yeah. But I like the idea of her being a late night radio host. I think it's the chemistry that they have with uh, that she has with the other two actors oh yeah they're like actually friends i think yeah they're they're super friendly like i i hate the soundboard for god well they're totally totally making fun of radio shows absolutely even the fucking intro they had with that beefy ass voice (laughs) what was it again fucking what was the name of the radio station yeah it's some random assortment of letters that they usually choose for these yeah mitch could you improvise a little for us give us your best radio voice uh (laughs) what was the name of the station I don't know, KQ something. Just come up with some KQ something. (laughs) And we're back talking about witch and blood. Witches and blood and uh, babies. Insert fart noise. Yeah. Insert explosion. (laughs) Whoa. That's got a sting. So I was. (laughs) That's pretty much what it is. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The anticipation of this movie like drives into you and like the building tension. is really good. It has good world building with it, especially when you get the shots of the fucking old school witches getting burned at the stake. Oh yeah, and people and they like roll out the Iron Maiden. Yeah, that was so hard. Oh yeah. But I think when Heidi took heroin, that's when the movie took a nosedive. I mean, metaphorically and physically. I was just like, oh. Well, what's crazy is that he could have cut out a part of this movie, and the movie's only an hour and a half. So, like, the fact that you felt like it was long is not a good thing. If it's an hour and a half and it felt too long, like, you really should have fixed some plots, like, some plot points in your story to make the story progress a little bit more because the ending feels rushed. You ha- you get the ending in the la- last, like, ten minutes. Oh, yeah. Then they have that montage of all the visual effects that yeah. are fucking nuts. Melting but, angels and demons. Fucking his wife just riding a goat and getting fondled by their guitarist. Like, what's going on <laughs> at the end here? <laughs> I mean, that's the cheesiest black metal look I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. really, though. I mean, I'm calling out Lords of Chaos right now. You oh. know what you did. Oh. You know what you fucking did. But I will say, <laughs> the shot of her looking all angelic while they play Velvet Underground, that shit made me so fucking hype. I was like, this is, oh, this is a slog fucking fest right now. Then she, then they fucking hit that montage. They hit her looking all angelic. I was like, yo, we have fucking yes. landed, boys. And they pan out to her on this pile of dead bodies. Yeah. I love, I love the oh, ending of that. God. 
Yeah, that was something I really liked about this movie is they brought in the idea of generational curses. Yes. Because the whole point of this was that way, way back in the day when the witch trials happened, uh, a coven was sentenced to death by a certain reverend. His name escapes me right now. He's not important, though. <laughs> Jonathan something. Jonathan Hawthorne? something. Yeah, Hawthorne. Jonathan Hawthorne. Yeah, that was who it was. And the witches, as they were burning on the stake, uh, placed a curse onto the daughters of Salem. Is that, uh, I don't know why it took so long for the curse to implement, but, you know, that's not really important to this. We don't control well, magic. I yeah. think I think what they were trying to do was to get one of the daughters to give birth to the spawn of Satan, but the first time it happens, it didn't work, which yeah. is why they had just the regular baby. Yeah. And she's like, oh, get this away from me, because she wanted a spawn and not a regular baby. And it makes me wonder if they've just been doing this, yeah. like, throughout every generation of Hawthorne daughters. I'm if guessing, they tried yeah. the same thing over and over again, and this time it just happened to work because she was a su- susceptible enough character yeah. to invite Satan, essentially, into her life. And that was something interesting about her character, too, is that she was a junkie. It wasn't necessarily, like, obvious in the beginning right. until you see her go to the AA or NA meeting. And it's yeah. like, okay, if she's a previous drug addict, she might be susceptible to emotional conflict and toil, which would make you more susceptible yeah. to evil things to let those into your life. That's true. I hadn't considered that might be a heavy piece of the plot, that that's the reason why she was more susceptible to that was because she was already in a vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. And then to hear the music, which is supposed to be like the mythical thing in the story, that's bringing her attention to it also getting egged on by those older witches who are just like inserting themselves into her life so it's interesting about this uh record that the witches brought in is they brought it in anonymously to the radio station and they do this little segment on their show smash or trash where they'll play it over the radio and see how people like this record in the beginning you saw them playing this like random black metal band this like really Mm -hmm. gnarly looking dude that they're interviewing but so they play this record over the radio and it causes all of the women in Salem to go into a trance, but specifically the women who are descendants of people who lived in Salem during that time when the witch trials were going on. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of this movie is when you see all these women in their own little aspects of life. One's taking a shower, one's working at a restaurant overnight, one's doing laundry, and you just see them all get in trance and they stop what they're doing, drop whatever, and they just stare at the radio. Yeah, I thought it was a very powerful thing, and I would have loved to see those characters more. I would have yeah. loved to see them come into it other than just the ending. That's true. He because didn't really they follow any other subplots to the story. There was just one central story, and like he sort of got into the idea that she and the dude were dating before, probably. Yeah, some sort of romantic. Yes, but he didn't explore that any further. So I think that's what the movie was missing. It, it was missing like a B story. Like, yeah. like, and you needed a B story that you can like cut back and forth between to bring interest. Because they don't even go. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's, hey, the Lords of Salem are playing in our fucking town. We got to go to the show. And then they get they bring Ken Forey and they go in the theater and they're those two radio hosts are aren't even with her. Yeah, they, well, she that, locks them outside. Yeah, she oh. locks them outside, and I guess that's like when the ritual starts. Yeah, pretty much, and they like take over the theater but i mean i don't know it's just well, it was like a, a slow of... progression ritual they had to first get her possessed right and then get the the spawn of satan inside of her somehow when they go into room number five at the apartment building that creepy room down the hallway with a little like midget dwarf looking <laughs> oh, that thing's scary. creature oh, with man. tentacles yeah that scene was wild uh, i couldn't tell if that was like was she getting like impregnated i think Is that, that was happening? satan that was Satan? <laughs> or some sort of like Satan proxy. Weird. 
Yeah, <laughs> just screams. God, yeah. that was the most disturbing scene, having her walk up this like gorgeous grand staircase into this gold and red building. Or and room. it's just this thing. And this fucking nasty ass dwarf thing. I, I remember too earlier in the movie when they were at the radio show, they had this little throwaway line about a dwarf. And then you have this dwarf come back again. Oh, they did. Later in the movie as Satan, supposedly Satan. But Maybe. This thing's just fucking then screeching the... with the umbilical cords. <laughs> uh. What was the creature earlier in the film then? The one that was like breathing behind her? Uh, I, uh, I think it was just some demon. Yeah. Just a Henchman. random demon. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have to say that I was let down that there was not, there, there wasn't a, an actual image of Satan in the film. I would have wanted his own, like what he thinks he would look like. I think he did have one closer to the end when it's like, he looks like he's wearing a suit and he's like burned all over. Yeah. And it's like on the montage. I think that was like his version, but I would have liked to see something more than just what they had shown there. It would have been great to see him like show up after the baby's born and like pick him up or something. But there wasn't anything like that. I got to say my favorite character in this story though, is the professor who writes his own book about the trials. I think how he, him and his wife have a really nice, wholesome relationship. Right? They're so cute together. <laughs> I was almost sad that he was murdered. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was very upset, but like I knew it was going to happen because, you know, he's fucking with the powers that be that these witches are just trying to convey. Their- his story was cut way too short. He should have lived like closer to the end. And then like he should have been in the theater. And then they yeah. like, yeah. I would love him to the see him like burst into the theater as the ritual yeah. is progressing. And then just gets murdered on stage or something. By a bunch of these. Yeah. Like uh, what is it? Cut too early. I think he just yeah. wanted the witches to kill him. But it was just, it was, it was too early, I think. Wouldn't it have been great for just a sea of naked ladies to just rip that dude Yeah, apart? right, yeah. Oh. <laughs> just go for it, like, you know. Yeah, that was something to note about this movie is despite Rob Zombie being iconic for his gore, there wasn't as much gore in this yeah, movie as there was other Yeah, he was very things. reserved about it. He yeah. had gotten a lot of commentary that said that most of his stuff was too gory. So he's like, all right, I'll give you other stuff. He did have a lot of nudity but not in a sexual way. There was a lot of nudity for like people just walking around because that's like, we talked about this before with uh, the Love Witch, how people will usually be naked for rituals. Yeah. Or for like certain... Um, Skyclad. That's, that's what it is. It's <laughs> Skyclad. It'd be something like that. So that's what they were doing. And then he, he mixed in a bunch of random surreal stuff. Like having like the, I think it sort of looked like Catholic priests or like deacons or cardinals who are just jacking off like yeah. in the, like that towards was, the that end. That was crazy. <laughs> You're like, like the dildos. Yeah. Yeah. They just had like dildos With sitting in their lap. With their burned lap. up faces. Yeah. As but, they're walking up. And then the but, nightmare of blowing the priest and he's like. Bleh. Oh yeah. That yeah. fucking yeah. scene. And, and then it like, cuts to she wakes up and he's like ma'am. Ma'am I think you fell asleep here. It's a very peaceful place. She just dips out of there. She's like I'm fucking out. Oh. That's true. That was. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, where is this going? And then I was like, oh, it's a dream. Okay. Yeah. I was I was concerned for a moment. I don't know. I feel like it's not a Rob Zombie film without a little sexual assault, which is controversial, of course. I'm not going to get into it right now, though, because we have more stuff we well, want to get to. Well, there was that scene we didn't mention in Halloween where there is a rape scene in the unrated version of Halloween by Rob Zombie. Yes. Content warning. If you watch the unrated version of Halloween by Rob Zombie, it has a vigorous rape scene and it is uncomfortable to watch. But they do get killed. Yes. yes. They get thrown against the wall like Smashes fucking rag dolls. Smashes them. Yeah. Yeah. But they justice. are the white trashiest white trash Holy ever. Shit, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, boy. Like, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who's worse, like the dad or like the, probably the two guys. Honestly, the two yeah, guys are worse. Probably than the, the two yeah. dudes. The dudes all talk. 
you know. He's in a fucking wheelchair. He can't do shit. But yeah. those other guys, no, nah, fuck them. No, nope, they're terrible. Fuck those hillbillies. Yeah. yeah they <laughs> deserve to die. Danny Trejo, I can't forgive that, man. Oh. Oh. I was good to you, Michael. I'm, I'm gonna, that's going to be burned in my fucking head, dude. <laughs> but either way, he still was his jailer, though. Yeah. For however long. But anyways, we digress. Back to Lords of Salem. Back to Lords of Salem. Back to the Lords of Salem. So, how do you guys feel about the pacing of this movie? Because I know we talked about it feeling like it dragged on a bit, but honestly, I feel why it dragged on so much is because you really get into the emotional state of this character. You see her gradually unravel and unfold, and it's so uncomfortable to watch. This whole movie made me uncomfortable, and I feel like that sort of tension added to just the time feeling like it dragged on forever. Because, you know, when you're in a really bad state of mind, it feels like it's an endless void that you're falling through. But I want to hear your opinions about the pacing. I thought the pacing for the first half was really well. And I'm just going to repeat what I said earlier. Like, at one, after she does heroin, that's when the interest and, like, the, like, kind of, like, cliches of all that kind of stuff kind of just bother me. And I, I'm kind of just waiting for the ending to come. If it is an ending, how many endings? Rob Zombie, what are you doing? <laughs> I wish this movie was a music video. It would have done better as a short film. Well, he does have a song, The Lords of Salem. Oh. I don't know if there's a music oh, video for Rob it, is there? He dropped a new song recently. Oh, actually. shit. Yeah, he dropped a new song. Yeah, nice. King Freak, I think is what it's called. Pretty good, too. <laughs> ah, yes. Anyway, regard- sorry, I don't mean yeah. to digress. I, I, I just like- thought of that right now. I was like, he just dropped a new track like a couple days ago. Like- I do like his music. I like his use of music in the film. Like, he's very good at setting tone and, like, what you're looking at as far as the visuals are there. But the plot was missing something. I think it was, I think it was just not cohesive enough. And like you, you lo- you lose the audience somewhere in the middle. Like what Murray was saying, kind of after she does drugs, you're like, I don't know where this movie's going. And it kind of just gets chaotic after yeah. that. But I feel like even still, that embodies what the character is feeling because drugs are a very chaotic thing, yeah. especially something like heroin or crack or meth or anything like I'm that. I'm guessing she did crack. I'm pretty sure it was something like that. I mean, I think she's supposed to be a junkie. I'm not too versed on those drugs. Tinfoil tells me heroin. I don't know. I don't know why I say that. I just think it just tells me heroin. I mean, typically heroin is injected. I think it can be smoked as well. It's less common to see that, but I mean. Because she kind of just had it like in a tinfoil thing and then had like, it looked like a glass straw Mm -hmm. is what she was doing. I thought it was crack, but I don't know. It could be. I don't know enough, and I have not done any yeah. of these hard drugs to know. Uh, if you are more versed with drugs, please let us know in the <laughs> yeah, comments. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, let us know in the comments, please. <laughs> oh, jeez. Also, listening to uh, how to speak French tapes. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. In the beginning of the movie, when she was walking home from her radio show, she was listening to these like French tapes of how to speak French. And it's kind of funny. I forgot that those things even existed. They'll, you know what I'm talking about? Like they'll say the word, the line in English and then repeat it in French and you got to repeat it back. I remember my friend's grandma doing a bunch of those. (laughs) That was kind of funny to see. But when she was all cracked out or methed out or whatever she was on, she was still listening to those tapes and trying to go along with it, which I thought was a really interesting thing to add. Right. It was very like humanizing in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very like an intimate moment. So that's the thing is that he was doing a good job in some moments and then not so much in others. Mm -hmm. I think maybe he just needed, you know, one or two more drafts of his story and then it would have been where it needed to be. 
I it, kind of, yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with John that I think that could have done really well is like a visual musical, yeah, sort of sort of situation shorter. and shorten it, and then just kind of have like a good soundtrack for it, and then just sort of because the dialogue is already kind of sparse in this one, yeah, and, and like because like there's a lot of breaks in between dialogue where there's just a lot of someone walking somewhere Very or someone visual, walking yeah. into a hallway, and I mean there's a lot of opportunity there for some cool sound design, some interesting uh like like audio effects and whatnot, and you could really like set. I mean, it reminds me of like watching like the Daft Punk movie. <laughs> oh, You've ever yeah. seen that like really long thing, oh. and how there's like no dialogue in it; it's all just music the whole time. So I think he could have done something like that, and maybe shortened it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pacing was just kind of it was kind of dreadful for me. I was just kind of like, "All right, when are we getting on to the let's let's get on?" You know, because like the radio star thing doesn't matter as much. I don't know. It doesn't matter as much to like the main plot line. I think the only reason yeah. that was important is so she could then play the record for everybody Good in Salem point. to yeah. listen to. Yeah, but besides so, yeah. that, being a radio show host was more of just like a character arc than yeah, anything. Yeah, it's just it's just her backstory. I don't yeah. I don't know. I think they're just it the movie suffers from some pacing issues. But overall, what were your final thoughts about this movie? Uh, it has, you know, a good suspense up until the middle. It could drag you out. But the lore here for, like, witchcraft and all that kind of stuff, really, really well made. And I like the character of the professor a lot. I think he brings a lot to the table. Like, yeah. With, to the audience. Too. Like, look at this fucking thing I found in this book. Oh, you got to be fucking shitting me. Her his, last I name is I love his what? reaction. Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I think his character uh, did great. And that fucking ending shot with her looking angelic on its top of a fucking body of mountain or a mountain of fucking bodies while they play Velvet Underground. I mean, that yeah. is my favorite scene. That in the was whole movie. beautiful. Uh, did they make that song for the movie? No, that's from that's from oh, Velvet that from Underground. Velvet from Underground from a while ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just don't know enough 70s. about him. Yeah, I know. Kind of. It's uh, what's the word? Blasphemous. <laughs> people are usually like the blasphemy i'm also not a very big on velvet underground i don't know i just i just don't know him that well i'm not a big fan of them but i can recognize her voice anywhere oh gotcha the uh the song is called all tomorrow's parties if you're wondering nice but yeah i like the idea of a vinyl fucking succumbing yeah you know women around the area become witches yeah that was something i really liked. i would love to see it more fleshed out though Mm -hmm. yeah i i think i really like this movie for like having this be a continuation of something that happened in a historical time. Right. This is a historical story Linked that everybody knows those. of. Everybody knows about the Salem witch trials. And if you don't, you're living under a rock because <laughs> everybody talks about it. It's a very like iconic point in our history, which also I wanted to bring up a fun fact about the Salem witch trials. And a lot of people have been going back and looking at some things and what people believe really happened during Salem is there is a certain type of mold called ergot. Yeah, I Which this. I believe absinthe is made from, isn't it? Uh, I'd have to double check it, but I think so. But so ergot also contains lysergic acid, which is an element in LSD. And people believe that, uh, well, there's uh, ergotism, which is something that happens when you consume ergot raw, is it causes convulsions of the body, just abnormal changes in personality and bunch of other shit so what people believe what was really happening during salem is there was an ergot infestation on their grain yeah people were consuming that and a few things might have happened they might have 
physically like and emotionally gone crazy and they might have just become very paranoid from taking this sort of a uh, weird chemical into their body they were all dosed <laughs> yeah they were all dosed not to mention there's a lot of oppression of marginalized societies yeah it was very much a focus on marginalization of women people of color as well as people that had different beliefs from the puritan society at the time yep definitely notable but i love I, that theory yeah i i really love like the historical element to this movie and i like his take on it i like how uncomfortable this movie made me feel and i love the surrealist visual aspect of it i really enjoyed this oh, movie yeah. despite my qualms and quarrels with it <laughs> um absinthe is made from wormwood anise and fennel oh okay wormwood, wormwood is also known to be a, a psychoactive material yeah no absinthe mm-hmm. na- is is known to be like a psychoactive alcohol <laughs> yeah that's wild yeah I like the little setup that they have for absinthe sometimes. With the sugar cube? Yeah. It's also expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have here's a nice picture of a reservoir glass, naturally colored verte absinthe with an absinthe spoon. Is it green? Ah, yes. Yeah, it's kind of greenish. Yeah, I love those. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks this like a witch's spoon, potion. Though, yeah. yeah. That spoon is so, like, I'm like, you get those my little spoons that you're s- like, swirling. Oh, yes, with. I'm about to get fucked oh, up. <laughs> yeah, I think we went to a bar one time and they yes. made a drink with absinthe. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's my last drink. Oh, that was yeah. uh, Polite Provisions. Yes, if you're in San Diego, yeah. check Absolutely out Polite Provisions. Yeah, it is Sponsor us. <laughs> I mean, you only need like a shot glass full of it to get fucked up. Yeah, it's pretty much done. But so, Mitch and John, what were your final thoughts about this movie? Um, so I I liked the visual aspect of it. I, I'm kind of with Mur on this one, where I think it had a stronger beginning, and then it kind of had like a teetering off, like uh, pacing wise. But I enjoyed all the visual aspects. Um, some things I didn't think made sense make sense more now when I've talked to some people, as happens often when I <laughs> when I think of movies and I come to talk to you guys about it. Um, but o- overall, overall, I wasn't too keen on this one. I definitely thought that there were a lot of like just it was a lot of Rob Zombie style, right. and it lacked a lot of substance. And that was kind of what that was kind of what I what I wanted more so. And I felt Halloween for being a, a, a slasher flick had way more substance in it than. Than they this usually one do, than, yeah. yeah, exactly. So that that's what it is. Not terrible, though. Not the worst thing I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I could actually finish the movie. It wasn't a terrible movie to watch, and I already like Rob Zombie, so I was gonna like it. And so I think it's well done for what it is. Lords of Salem is very unique. Mm-hmm. I think it's original in a lot of ways, but it just needed some reworking, I think, and then some more drafts. I don't know how. I mean, he could have gone through several drafts and probably changed it. But the surrealism towards the end, I'm always a fan of surrealism. I just don't like the false endings. I hate movies with false endings because you feel like like you get built up to this and then you think it's going to end and then it keeps going. And then it does it to you again and it keeps going. And you're like, I just want the movie to end because like, mm-hmm. that was a great place to stop it. Not that I don't like the angelic scene at the end, but I like this. I like the last scene being this crazy baby that's born, and then that's uh, it. Ah, yeah. Because it's like all dark. You see this fucking being ripped out of her, and then you're like, "Yep, this should have been like the ending scene." Mm-hmm. And then, like I mentioned earlier, you missed an opportunity to show Satan. Yeah. Like you could have done some fucked up version of Satan, like coming in, picking up his son, and being like, "Fuck yeah!" Like I have a kid now. Rides off into the sunset, or you know, flies off maybe. Yeah, he fucking kills all of them and leaves with his kid. Like, he could yeah. have done a bunch of stuff On with that. On black wings, he carried his child <laughs> into the horizon. You know, some cool shit. So, Beautiful. I don't know. I feel like it's a missed opportunity, but it could just be me being picky. You are very picky. Yeah, that's true. But with yeah. that thought, uh, favorite scenes from both of these movies. Mm. I think my favorite scene from Halloween was when those hillbilly-ass guards 
were just slammed around like rag dolls by Myers when he breaks out of the institution. That was that was beautiful justice for me. <laughs> I just wish they had their heads crushed. That's the only thing I felt it was missing. Just he only a good did it to skull crush. He only Ugh. did it to the to the doctor, I think. Yeah, yeah. He could have gone farther because because uh, Mike Myers does crush the doctor's head. Mm-hmm. But you know we have to. I mean the best skull crush. This isn't in this movie, but the. Best skull crushing is in Game of Thrones. Oh, of oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the head popping like a fucking grape. Followed like. shortly by her blood curling scream. Yeah. <laughs> so good. But er, my favorite one though, in Halloween, of course, is um is Ken Fourier's whole scene. Like just oh, that yeah. whole bit. I just I I fell in love. I was like, I am in love with you, man. I'm I'm sad that's that you great. die here, but you stood up to this dude, and I applaud you for just being a badass right before you Pulled die. Pulled out a big ass knife. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. His name's Joe Grizzly, bitch. You know, just like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was probably my favorite scene in it. And then uh, in, I think it's just like that opening scene with the witches just covering themselves in blood and them just being creepy, man. Just, yeah. just being creep. Fucking convulsing yeah. and screeching, like, speaking <laughs> in tongues. I think that was one of my favorite scenes from that movie, too. Really anything with like the old school hag coven of witches. Just fucking dirty filthy matted hair yeah. painting things it's like on the themselves. opposite of uh the witch where you see all the young girls naked dancing yeah, around like, a fire ah, we're witches. yeah and ah. we're starting to float right it but was no, the opposite of that it was very earthy and very very just disturbing yeah. i loved it i think my favorite scene from halloween is when michael myers puts on the ghost thing Oh my god, show. yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's cute. I, 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 Dude, he even put on the glasses. Yeah, it was so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, I got your beer. You didn't want your beer? Fuck you then. The fuck You're you dead too. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how innocent and fun that scene Dang, plays he really out. does choke her out now that I think about it. <laughs> and then uh, for Lords of Salem, I mean, the ending shot. I'm going to keep talking about it. It's just... Oh, the me- angelic yeah. scene. But yeah. also yeah, when she good. enters and you see the golden city, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. That's true. I wonder where that was shot to when she walks up that grand staircase because I, I know that had to have been a place It could have just somewhere. been built, honestly. It could have been a built set. I don't know. It looked too real to be something that was built, you know? Like, it looked like genuine material was used. Yeah, they might have. I don't think 1.5 mil will cover that. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. It could have been an existing place that they just went and, like, decorated a bit. Um, I think, so, I think my favorite scenes from Halloween are probably when you get to see the room with all of his masks. And you get to yeah. see, like, the evolution of, like, the mask he wanted to wear. And it's a good element to add in for people who are experiencing some sort of mental illness. He was using the mask to, like, hide. Yeah, and it brings in the element yeah. of disassociative identity exactly. disorder. Because even was... in the beginning, when he was a child, oh, he after remember. he committed the murders, that was, like, a separate personality exactly. from his own. He didn't really know what happened. He even asked his mom when she came to visit, like, how's everybody back home? Agreed. He even uh, mentions that... Uh, when he's speaking to the guy, he, like, he just wants to go home because he doesn't know what had happened after that. And him being in that institution probably just made it worse yeah. because he was isolated from everybody, didn't get any education, was just only speaking to this doctor. So it's like that was a good element to bring in. And then, of course, any scene where you just broke through a wall. <laughs> where oh, yeah. Where just, yeah! yeah. And like fucking oh, pounds yeah. through the wall. <laughs> yeah, basically Kool-Aid, step, step, step. Kool-Aid man. And then for Lords of Salem, uh, the ending scene's great. 
like the surrealism is always i'm always a fan of surrealism for film because it can leave it open for interpretation for a lot of people and then uh the three witches the older ladies are great they're all yeah. seasoned actors so that, like they were very good in their roles definitely horror icons as well yeah they've been in a bunch of horror films in mm-hmm. like the 50s and 60s so like if you know like who they are you'll know that they starred in a bunch of different movies and so this is like right up their alley and mm-hmm. people are probably just not starring them anymore because they're older yeah so to be to see them in the film again was really awesome yeah definitely kudos to rob zombie for his casting of yeah. both of these films i i really think it's cute honestly that he casts his wife and everything he's yes. just like man i Actually love my wife. wife yeah my wife is great i mean she's not the best uh, actor but despite that he still continues to cast her and i, I mean, think yeah. that's just really cute i think it's adorable <laughs> and also him bringing in his friends for the movie having Always. repeat actors yeah. and just bringing in a lot of these iconic names into the film true i agree mm-hmm. so final ratings for these films i give them both sevens yeah they're they're well done it's a good try at what he's doing it wasn't a terrible movie he didn't fall completely flat on his face i just think there was little bits here and there and and i could just be nitpicky about it so Mm -hmm. i mean because like you could finish these movies yeah i think i would give halloween a seven because i really like the rework of michael myers backstory yeah adding that humanistic element to him and i would give lords of salem an eight because i think this is really like a very mature production for rob zombie it really shows how he's progressed as a filmmaker right and i love the lore i love the backstory and i love this realism as you all know i'm gonna give halloween an eight uh nostalgia has nothing to do with that but it has everything to do with that (laughs) uh i think he did a great you know touch on halloween even so much that john carpenter says he enjoys it right uh having a six eight dude just fucking burst through walls is always fun as well (laughs) Um, I like the backstory too, especially I, I think another great scene from that is when Malcolm McDowell is just like, what's your favorite color? Black. Black's not a color, you little fuck, basically. Man, I hate that <laughs> because if we're talking about color hues, black is the presence of all color yep. versus black light a dark room is the absence of light, not yeah. necessarily the absence of color because color is brought out by light. But anyways, I, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, that was pretty fucking <laughs> it was funny. Like, listen like, here, you little shit. Yeah, fuck you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think Lords of Salem, I'll probably give it like a six. It has good good things going for it. Just a little trailed off. I Rob Zombie. It shows me that he could do stuff that is out of his comfort zone, like not necessarily all gory and true. He's doing surrealist stuff. So I mean, like, he, I don't think this was a good demonstration of that. But I feel like after doing this he might get better at the yeah. next thing he should have leaned into the surrealism more for the entire film not just the ending that's the thing like it i think cool i think i think he will do better yeah. from lords of salem and i i don't think that this is what like did his one. new movie get a rating of does anybody the, know the uh the three from hell yeah i wonder if it did well uh i know one of my friends went to an early pre-release but we'll come back thing. to it yeah i'll look it up uh I will give Halloween a 7.5. You know, good slasher. Had a little bit of extra stuff in there. Some shoutbacks to the old school one. And that's cool. And then I will also... Agreed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with John here. And I'm also going to go with a 7 for um, Lords of Salem. I think that it was... I think that it is a really good stepping point for Rob Zombie as a director. Uh, definitely, like, it shows that he is capable of doing a little bit more than shock. 
Yes. And that is, I think that's a good thing. Uh, but he was still able to be shocking even while doing the surrealist part. So you yeah. got to give, you got to give the man props for that. Mm. Um, so for the ratings from three from hell, we got fives all around 5.5 on IMDb, 56 on Rotten Tomatoes, mm. 50% on Metacritic. All right then. Shit. The critics don't like zombies. They just don't like them. <laughs> yeah, but I like them. And you know what I like? The first white zombie record. That shit rips. Yeah, that shit was hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, any final thoughts, you guys? I don't have any. Go I'm watch them. Just go watch them. If you like Rob Zombie movies, yeah, obviously you'll, you'll yeah, enjoy you'll like these. Um, if you liked the original Halloween, you may or may not enjoy Halloween. Um, and then I think that. Uh, what is it? Uh, Lords of Salem is very. Um, it's gonna be a niche group of people that yeah. really enjoy this movie or like that, like laud it. You know, it's it's not for everybody. It is John Carpenter approved. He did like it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he thought it was it was a good take on his original story. Right on. All right. Well, uh, you want to do the ending bit? Oh man, I'm gonna do the ending. I'm yeah. so bad at this. It's your turn. I guess it is. <laughs> so. You Well, first of all, thank you for listening tonight. We really appreciate all the love and support from our listeners. You can find us just about anywhere. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Music. Anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find us. We also have an Instagram. You know the Instagram. Uh, BDTGH. What's the Instagram name? BDTGH underscore podcast. Yeah. Go look us up. We got some cool stuff for you. Some little behind the scenes yep. stuff. We also have a Patreon. Working on developing that. Getting you guys some more material for that. Yeah. Soon we're going to start producing our own segments where we'll talk about certain elements of horror. Talking about like monsters, lore, all that good stuff. Horror and video games. Go check it out. It's just a dollar to subscribe to our Patreon. We have several tiers and soon those tiers will also involve merch we always love a good merch check out our t-shirt coming out soon and no you don't get myrrh with your merch <laughs> but you might get a cute picture of myrrh if you pay a little extra you also get a porn of you yeah you get the porn of yeah, you of myrrh he'll send you one clip note of one his polaroid one polaroid ah yes myrrh's only fans <laughs> check it out we'll put a we'll link put in the, the link. description we'll put the link in you know yeah, he'll just read horror in a very sexy tone. Ooh, yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> he raised the knife <laughs> so high. And, and it plunged he... into her breast. <laughs> into her supple breast. Terrible. <laughs> Is this your attempt at sexy? Because I'm kind of into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about but anyways, thank you all for listening tonight, and we hope you have a happy Halloween. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> happy Halloween.